their mother, the youngest one in curls. Are you singing Brady Bunch right now? Yes. It's important for me to do so. What are you vaping on today, Cody? My frozen berry. Menthol berries? Yeah. I think I'm going to move on. I think I'm going to move on from it. From menthol or just berry? Uh, just menthol. I really, <clears throat> I want to put quitting on the agenda pretty pretty soon here. Get Captain Crunchberry flavor. Uh, the cereals, I like get kind of tired of them after a while. Almost immediately yeah. for me. I really, I just like the berry ones. Those are like my favorite ones. Yeah, they get just, the job done. Yeah, the cream ones are okay. Unless but. there's custard, because that's no good. <laughs> I and feel, I love custard in though, real I life. feel like those burn the coils really fast. Super. Yes, they the do. The custard ones. Super. But I I don't know. I, I mean, want the, the custard ones were always my favorite. They taste good. Well, that fucking Grand Ave from... Yeah. Uh, mm. That was good. Yeah. I go to the one uh, in Egan, kind of by our shop now. Uh. Um, I'm trying to think where it is. It's right across where from where Cub Foods is, mm-hmm. in a little strip mm-hmm. mall there. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, back back off like uh, it's a weird little back. Lone road. Oak and Neil Armstrong yeah. and shit. Yeah, it's like in between a fucking like joint hospital or something. I don't yeah. know what. It's yeah. like a weird hospital there. I don't know what the hell it is. Like, but who does this cater to? Is <laughs> this just know. here for money laundering? Because <laughs> nobody knows where they're going. I, it might be because they have nothing but graphics covering all the windows there. So something CD's going on in there. There's no way you need just a joint doctor. No. <laughs> I mean, I will say that those Candy King flavors were pretty boss for a while. Yeah. They get a little Play-Doh-y taste in after <laughs> they like They do. Oh, I don't like when they taste like Play-Doh. You, got, you weren't big on eating Play-Doh as a young lad? I never liked it. I didn't like dirt or Play-Doh. You never, like, played with it? I played it, yeah. But I didn't like smelling it, and mm. I didn't like when it would make my hands smell bad. I feel like as a farm boy, I was always kind of into dirty stuff. I was mm. always dirty. So maybe that's, like, now I'm, I don't mind being dirty. Mm. Could be. I don't know. Playing in the dirt. Going in the woods, you know, all that good stuff. Dismembering bodies in the woods. <laughs> all that farm boy Shitting stuff. Shitting in the woods, yeah. pissing in the woods. Yeah. All traditions of a good farm boy. Making making forts in the middle of a cornfield. Oh, hachi machi with me, stocks. Oh, yeah. Me and Josh did it. We'd make like, we, we'd cut down a whole bunch of them, like in the corn, and then that'd be like our little hideout. And then we got yelled at for <laughs> destroying the farmer's yeah. crops yeah. because, you know, that's money, obviously. Yeah, you, you destroyed his crops <laughs> to make a tree for it. <laughs> we were bored. What are you going to do? Monsanto sh- probably would have killed that farmer if it would have showed up four corns, <laughs> four corns less than it should. I was just thinking that. We were probably walking around in pesticided oh, yeah. cornfields. Oh, yeah. fuck yeah. You've got turbo cancer coming. Because <laughs> they always used to have, I remember we always thought it was so cool when the airplanes were like, a dropping, yeah. and then they would always drop like the remainder of this little cardboard piece for the kids to run out and get it out of the field. <laughs> so my mom and dad be like, "Oh, here it comes, go get it, kids!" And then me and Shane would run out there and see who could collect it. Go get the cancer tube, kids. <laughs> Good times in Iowa. <laughs> that's how we. That's how we party. <laughs> Uh, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Bumblebutt Podcast, the only podcast on the internet that uploads weekly. Who knows what it'll be about? Certainly not me. My name is Adam. Sitting across from me is Jordan. Hello, Jordan. Hello, Adam. How's your week, buddy? Not too terrible. You got, <laughs> did you, uh, 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 become, uh, uh, 
Mason King? <laughs> uh, working on it. Good. Slowly working He's on it. He's a Mason Duke. Mason Le- Duke. Learning how to do block. He's One a Mason garage girl. foundation at a time. Mm. Oh, okay. So what's a di- what, what is a block exactly? You know cinder blocks? Okay. Yeah, right. those. I figured that would be easier to do than like a designer stone. Uh, no, because block has to be level and plumb. Stone uh, just has to be level and you just... Glue it in there. Yes. Yep. Kiss it. All right, so you... Okay, I don't know what I was going to say. Also sitting across from me is Cody. How are you, Cody? I'm fantastic. How was your week? Well, it's only Tuesday, so it's amazing. Tuesday's coming. Did you bring your coat? Is that a thing? Yeah, it's from... <laughs> is it Mary that, Poppins? It's from... My anus is bleeding. <laughs> you ever seen that little cartoon? It's Gary Oldman. It's not Gary Oldman, but I wish it was. <laughs> How was your week? Tuesday? It's fine. You're just spraying wheels. Yeah, I'm just... I wish I was running through a pesticided field collecting you know what? Yeah. The, little, the little parachuter thing. The little cardboard shooter. You know what I like about those guys a lot? Those crop dusters? Mm. Most of them never went to pilot school <laughs> a single minute in their life. But you know what? They're going to save us from aliens someday. Truth. I've seen them do it. Dennis Quaid, Randy Quaid did it. <laughs> They're the same guy. Say whatever. They look exactly the same. They're fine. One of them's a little bloated, but which one's that, the better actor? Dennis. <laughs> exactly. Dennis, a god. He is a god. Young Dennis, god. Cody, what I want you to do mm. is take it away from All me. Right. So we are gonna do something we've never done before. What is it? It's a robbery. A robbery. Oh, shit. I don't know. Have we done a robbery? I mean, they've kind of had like sidebar robberies, not just one giant robbery, right? Yeah. Yeah. They gotta, you gotta, you gotta steal the eat, gotta steal the eat, gotta steal the eat, I'll tell you when I got the time. Right? Maybe you should be a SoundCloud rapper. I feel like that's what you're practicing for. I should be an Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> I can show you the world. <laughs> well, anyway, fellas, this one is called The Great Screwball Robbery. Okay. So you can about imagine yeah. uh, what's going to happen. So- he robs a baseball factory. <laughs> I think so. To throw the perfect screwball. <laughs> Our wild adventure begins on July 28th, 1952 in San Francisco, California. It is around 2.55 p.m. and the California sun is shining. Good vibes, it- <laughs> bruh. When a man enters the American Trust Company Bank located around 16th and Valencia Street, as odd as it may sound nowadays, the bank was merely five minutes from closing. <laughs> Why were they close so early? I was just like, yeah. what the fuck? I, I don't know. Banker's hours, man. <laughs> Three o'clock. The branch manager, Walter Blomberg, who has been a bank employee for 31 of his 48 years, was working with, an, with a client inquiring about a loan. Where his office was located, just a quick lean back on his chair, he could view the bank's main foyer. When he did so, he took notice of a poetic and faintly offended-looking stranger standing next to it. Hmm. <laughs> That's an old-timey <laughs> description of something. Yes. I don't know. It's from 1952. Who the fuck knows? He's a poetic and faintly offended-looking man. Have you ever looked faintly offended? <laughs> I've never looked poetic in my entire oh, life. You have yeah. sometimes. What? You, when you're nipping out of your shirt, you Oh, yeah, poetic. that's pretty That's pretty poetic. <laughs> when my fucking tits are trying to cut through the fabric. Walter then excused himself from the client to speak to the stranger. The stranger was dressed in a rain hat, dark glasses, gray suit, and what Walter would later describe as... A pencil-line mustache. 
which was actually quite accurate because the man had, in fact, drew the mustache on with a pencil. (laughs) What a fucking idiot. (laughs) That stranger then handed Walter an envelope and said, This will explain everything. (laughs) Walter later said this about his short conversation with the stranger. He talked as if he had considerable education, and there was a faint odor of liquor on his breath. (laughs) But he acted more as if he was under the influence of dope. (laughs) Those fucking dopers. Sir, what is that on your breath? (laughs) Well, it's either booze or dope, sir. Yep. (laughs) Walter didn't seem to know exactly what this letter was for until he opened the envelope and began to read the extremely long missive written single-spaced in red ink. In fact... It was so long, Walter decided he needed to sit down, for this might take a minute. (laughs) I know you're robbing me, but let me get my chair quick. This is the most elongated robbery of all time. The FBI would later withhold the contents of the letter from the press because it was such a masterpiece in the art of robbery around the time. They were afraid every aspiring robber around the country would try to replicate it. My dearest bank, (laughs) I have come to take all of your contents. (laughs) I am very faintly offended. Give me your cash. (laughs) I'm trying to make this letter as poetic as possible. (laughs) Thankfully, this letter is almost 70 years old, so we have the contents. It begins as follows. Don't become alarmed. Don't act nervous or excited. Of course, Walter did just that, and when he glanced at the stranger, (laughs) the stranger patted the butt of his pistol sticking out of his waistband. The letter continues, We are all desperate men. We intend to stop at nothing. Be sensible and cooperate to the fullest extent. (laughs) I will have a gun on you at all times. Our ace in the hole is that someone very close to you is being held hostage. Walter asks, My wife? (laughs) (laughs) All right, Borat. (laughs) The stranger just gave him a nod. Mm. Around this time, the other bank's employees were beginning to do their closing duties and lock the door, but Walter just continued reading the letter. You are to give your employees and assistants the idea that I am someone of importance, more or less like a bank examiner. (laughs) It is regrettable that you should be subjected to this ordeal the first day back from vacation. On leaving the bank, you accompany me. We are filled with liquor and drugs, <laughs> as this gives us added courage to pull bold, brazen stunts. So old Walter's gut was right. <laughs> Fuck yes. The stranger was demanding $20,000 to be split between himself and his trigger-happy, drug-fueled colleagues. In addition to him, there was supposed to be another man hiding in the bank, another keeping a lookout across the street, and the third was a wheelman. Walter told the police, I never did see any of the men he said were with him. Well, that is because it was all a ruse, and nobody was holding his wife hostage either. Brilliant. And he never even said that it was his wife, just somebody very close somebody to you was being knew. held hostage. Yeah. What's the movie with Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze? Point Break. Yes. I was going to say, this guy probably watched that movie and got an idea. Anyway. Yeah. That's a good fucking movie. Not the I new love one. that. No, 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 no. That one's terrible. Either way, Walter and another teller took the stranger into the vault and loaded up the $20,000 into his leather briefcase. Mind you, the teller just assumed this was just another happy customer. The stranger then told Walter, Let's go grab that cup of coffee. <laughs> Walter then told the teller to unlock the door, and the two were off. 
The stranger and Walter walked for a while, then hailed a jitney, which is a cross between a bus and a taxi that was popular in San Francisco around this time. Is also, that a, is that a van that's a taxi? I don't know. Also, usually driven by unlicensed cab drivers. Oh, was it? That's right. Okay, so you know what this thing kind of looks like. A jitney cab? Yeah, well, it, it could be really anything. But yeah, at this time in San Fran, it was definitely like a, a mini bus car, kind of. Okay. The jitney was headed for the San Francisco waterfront. The stranger gave Walter 87 cents to pay for the fare, which only costed 15 cents each. Hmm. Walter told the police later... I had some change left over, but he didn't ask me to give it back. <laughs> so he just pocketed the change. Go figure. <laughs> Bank manager. Walter said this about their conversation while on the jitney. He told me a lot about me and my family. He kept saying, Don't look at my face and don't worry. The <laughs> FBI knows who I am. He repeated that at least six times. He told me to stay in the jitney too. Embarcadero. Yeah. And then to take another jitney and go back to the bank and not to phone the police until 4 o'clock, at which time my wife would be released. And so, the stranger hopped off, and Walter did just as he was told. He arrived back at the bank at around 3.57 p.m. He then called his wife, but she didn't answer. Don't worry, she was just at the neighbor's house. Ooh, God. <laughs> then Walter called the police. Ooh. Walter told the police, I had opportunities, booby, to sound an alarm. <laughs> I did not care to turn in an alarm for fear his threat to my family were true. I just had to play along with them, Listen, just like a game of dreidel. He, uh, he, he manipulated this man. He did. He broke him down to his core in, like, one letter. Yeah. But he, I mean, do you feel like he was really threatening him? Yes, of I mean, course okay. he was. Yeah, I it guess was he was implied bad. threats, okay, but right. he d and he did have a gun that he gestured yeah, to. So I, that's for I forgot about the gun. Yeah. Now, what was the stranger up to after he had jumped off the jitney? Well, he had entered the Third Street bar and sat down to enjoy a bourbon and coke before calling the DeSoto Cab Company to arrange for a ride. Hmm. The lucky or unlucky cabbie, depending on how you have viewed the following events was a 44-year-old Anthony Gelini. Anthony Gelini. <laughs> Do you think he is of Native, Native American descent? I think so. <laughs> I was yeah. going to go French. <laughs> or maybe Japan, Anthony Gelini-san. Very Japanese yeah. name. Gelini had actually just switched over to the day shift because of his recent abdominal surgery. Gelini was known for being a bit of a silver-tongued son of a gun, mm. so dealing with a robber might be just up his alley. The following events will be taken from the account straight out of Gelini's mouth. Gelini said he received the call from the dispatcher around 4 p.m., so he took the fare and headed over to 106 3rd Street. He parked at the bus stop and headed into the bar, then yelled, DeSoto! He claimed he couldn't just say taxis here, because the company wanted to make sure they were using their brand's name at all oh, times. Smart. Hey, that's smart. That is the cringiest part of this whole story, I swear to God. <laughs> Either way, nobody answered. So Gelini began to return to his car and noticed someone was sitting in the back seat. Hmm. The stranger then told him, Take me to Stonestown. Gelini noticed he was sweating and said, It is hot, but not that hot. <laughs> so I said something and he told me. I just had a jolt. 
You think like is it is that the uh, energy drink? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jolt Cola. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Meaning narcotics. Ah, of course. But Jolini didn't mind because people were always telling him their problems. And it doesn't matter if you're high or not. No. To get in a cab. As long yeah. as you're not too drunk, that's right. they don't like that. Just don't no. puke in the yeah. backseat. You're fine. Jolini told a stranger, You don't want to go away out to Stonestown this time of day. You can't make me any money out there. <laughs> he made this assumption because of his briefcase. The stranger then says, Okay, 20th and Travel then. So Jolini begins to write down the address, and the stranger quickly tells him, Don't write that address. Put down 20th and Mission. I don't want anyone to know where I'm going. I just robbed a bank. <laughs> Swell, good for you. Congratulations. A more power to you. Go ahead. Only don't tell me your troubles. I'm tired. I worked all day. <laughs> I feel like this would be me. Like, okay, whatever, buddy. Shut up. I'm tired. Let's just get this over just with. Just buckle up. Let's go. <laughs> the stranger then gives Jelini a bunch of tens and actually opens his briefcase to show him the rewards of his successful bank robbery. I'm not fooling. I just took a shot in the arm. <laughs> Jelini later stated he doesn't actually believe he was doing drugs. He could smell the alcohol, but he didn't act like someone who was mixing the two. Right. Jelini later said, He makes a big gangster pet on his belt inside his coat, indicating he's packing a rod and says, <laughs> I got big brother here. Big brother's got six hard punches. <laughs> Sounds like a, a porno line going Ooh, on yeah. here. <laughs> I love that he calls it a rod. Yep, I don't know why I really rod. like that. <laughs> the gangster call them sticks nowadays. Oh, do they? Mm -hmm. Okay. Giolini later says he thinks this is a bit corny of a thing to say, but pretends like he isn't scared and tells the man, Yeah, you and your brother. <laughs> the stranger tells him, My name is Jim. Glad to know you, Jim. Jim then yells, Stop at a bar. Let's get a drink. <laughs> So Jolini drives them to Pete's bar around 26th and Army. Jim makes sure to pat his big brother and informs Jolini to carry the briefcase. Why? Uh, he's tired of carrying it, I guess. It's too heavy from all that 20,000 bucks. I, how much do you think that weighs, 20 grand? I don't know, actually. I don't know, like 10 pounds? It's in, it sounds like it's in tens. And this was before we went off the gold standard, so bills were like different size back then. Oh, were they? Yeah. Were they bigger? Mm-hmm. Were they? Hmm. Interesting. The men then enter the bar, and Jim is laughing and having a grand old time. <laughs> In fact, he purchases rounds for the entire house. Nice. <laughs> he yells out to the patrons, I just robbed a bank. Which causes everybody to laugh. <laughs> if, okay, back in your drinking days, Adam, if someone came into the bar and was like, I just robbed a bank, would you would you believe him or would you start laughing? Is he already? Did he already buy me a drink? Yeah, he'll buy you a drink. Ooh, that's fine. Hell yeah, dude. Good, <laughs> I believe good robbery, he homie. Yep. <laughs> they then return to the cab, and Jim decided he wants to go to another bar. Fucking partier. <laughs> so Jolini takes them to the toll house, and once again, Jim begins having a grand old time like nothing has happened. He tells the bar, I just made two big sales. Insurance. <laughs> when the bartender confronts Jim about yelling and using profane language, Jim tells him, I could take three like you, me, and my big brother. <laughs> Jim glances at Jelini and pats his rod under his coat. <laughs> well, that sounds bad. <laughs> He's just grabbing his junk. He's Me and you later, big boy. Just patting his big brother cock. 
the bartender tells him, Okay, it's your party. <laughs> Jelini later says Jim just kept drinking more and more with VOs and Coke being his mm, chosen cocktail. Gross. So VO is gin, right? No. No, brandy. It's a brandy. Is it brandy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. There's VO, VSOP. So it, this is a nasty drink that he's yes. drinking. Okay. Well, via, like brandy's gross, unless you like brandy. I think it tastes like rubbing alcohol and sour grapes. <laughs> it probably does. I don't know. In fact, he believes at this point in their trip, he has had up to 10 drinks at least. Fuck. And there's no way he could be on drugs as well. <laughs> I don't All know. Right. Maybe, he could, maybe he could still be standing. I, I don't know. Shit. Depends <laughs> on what drugs he's supposed to be doing. If he has like a uh, uh, speed or something, yeah. maybe he'll be fine. Well, then you're good. <laughs> then you need booze so you can calm down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you, you, uh, you could get speed over the counter in this time period, right? Yes. 1950s? Yes. And I'll tell you this. When I was drink or when I was drinking, if I would ever come across a few Adderalls to eat, right, I would need to make sure I had booze, or else there was no sleep, no sleep ever. <clears throat> Jim seems ready to leave and tells Jelini, "Forget twentieth and travel. You're gonna drive me to Las Vegas. I was in love with a girl there, and she took me for five grand in a car deal. What I want to find is a wonderful girl and get married." Jim makes sure to pad his gun, and Jelini tells him. Yes, Jim, I will take you to Las Vegas. Anywhere at all, Jim. Yes, you pick up your wife and I'll pick up my girl and we'll all go. (laughs) Well, no, Jim, not my wife. She has a job and has to be in town tomorrow. Jim then pats his gun again. (laughs) What an asshole. (laughs) That's his too. He just keeps patting that bad boy. Oh, his big brother. (laughs) Jelini claims Jim knows where he lives because he looked at his ID earlier. So they drive to Jelini's house, and the men enter. Jelini introduces him to his wife. Helen, this is a friend of mine. Put on some coffee. He wants some ham and eggs. <laughs> I suppose he does if he's this plastered. Oh, right? fuck oh, yeah. yeah. You gotta have something to soak that bitch up. <laughs> then Jelini's son, Ronnie, walks into the kitchen, and Jim proceeds to open the briefcase and show him. <sighs> Ronnie says, I can do this one. Holy Moses, what do you got in there? A million dollars? Where'd you get it? Rob a bank? (laughs) As a matter of fact, Ronnie. (laughs) Cellini tells Jim. Jim, what's the big deal? Take a hike, Ronnie. Helen, go shopping. (laughs) Jim then gives her a $10 bill. Cellini says, Take it. Take it. Just get out the way you can. (laughs) (laughs) They leave. And Jim at this point is very drunk, but still remaining conscious. He tells Jelini to call the number, and he does, but there's no answer. Hmm. So he tries again, and this time, someone answers. So Jim grabs the phone and says, Sid, I done it. Everything come off fine. (laughs) Jim then tells Jelini, we will go pick up Sid in 15 minutes. We're going to Las Vegas. (laughs) Jim, you know I can't take you to Las Vegas in the cab. It's the company's. All right, we'll take your car. (laughs) So... They drive to the DeSoto garage. <laughs> Jelini, come on, man. <laughs> Return the cab. Come on. And Jelini gets his own car. <laughs> Jim makes sure to greet everybody in the garage while he's there. <sighs> Does he want to go to prison? I don't. It says he's literally like going, hey, hi, hello, hello. I robbed the bank. Here's a $10 bill, I imagine. <laughs> Jim even spots kids outside and gives them $10 each. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> When a mousy girl with her husband walks by, Jim says, Honey, I got something for you. (laughs) 
So he gives the girl and her husband a $10 bill. Finally, they load up and head to 90 Walter Street to pick up Sid. Hell yeah. They ring the bell, and Sid walks out. Jelini later said Sid looked like Mr. Modo. He was very heavily dressed. His clothes fit him like they'd come off Primo Carnera, a former heavyweight professional boxer and world champion, and Sid is just a little man. <laughs> he looks like he was wearing his dad's suit. <laughs> when Sid gets in the car, Jim tells him, Sid, I done it. I had to wait in the bank from two until five minutes to three until I got the nerve. But then I was cool as a cucumber. <laughs> and you know, Sid, I never did nothing like that before. Jelini asks, Nowhere. Stonestown, of course, like I told you. <laughs> so the trio heads out to Stonestown, and Jim tells him which house to stop at. He wants to make a quick visit to see his girl. While waiting in the car, Sid keeps telling Jelini they should really cash in the dough for war bonds. <laughs> <laughs> All right. He says he won't shut up about getting fucking war bonds. <laughs> These guys are fucking morons. They are so stupid. <laughs> Either way, 20 minutes later, Jim returns to the car with a face full of lipstick and says, To Las Vegas. <laughs> This lady he was meeting would later say the word girlfriend might have been a stretch. The two had actually met at a co-ed volleyball game at the gym. <laughs> All right. They would serve together on a membership committee for the new local social club. God. She thought he was just a big hydraulic engineer and had a lot of people who worked underneath of him. <laughs> this is what she said happened after he just barged through the door. He came in and held on to the door and said sort of playfully, Would you like something from me? <laughs> then he began to scatter money out of a briefcase. He said he won $20,000 on the horses. <laughs> <laughs> he asked her to come to Las Vegas with them, but she had dinner guests arriving soon, so she couldn't go. Oddly enough, he would wedge $2,010 in between her cushions before departing. Shh. Okay. Just leaves it there and okay. takes off. He obviously likes this girl. I mean, I wish I could meet a girl at a vo co-ed volleyball game. That wouldn't, that would not do anything for me. And <laughs> yeah. then I'd just leave her money. Yeah. It says they must have been making out. So I don't know if he forced his way onto her. I don't know. Maybe he just grabbed her lipstick, <laughs> lipstick like, and put it on quick. You dirty whore. <laughs> <laughs> look, her lips look like hearts. <laughs> <laughs> so off they go to Vegas. Jim makes sure to ditch his clothing while en route to Vegas. They may be looking for his description. Jim also keeps bugging Jelini to change the radio station. He wants to hear about his bank robbery and becomes very happy when one of the major news stations is talking about mm. him. <laughs> Jelini claims every 20 to 30 miles they would have to make a pit stop, <laughs> either for a shot of booze, a cup of coffee, a bottle of VO, a carton of cigarettes, and a box of Kleenexes because Sid apparently had a cold. Sid sounds like the kind of guy who would just always have a cold. Sid yeah. is a little bitch, I'll tell you that. Sid's fucking lunatic. <laughs> Jim is attempting to hide the briefcase under the seat, but it won't fit. So Jelini tells him to just put it in the trunk, which he does. But Jim wants to hang on to the key for obvious reasons. But Jelini informs him he needs that for the ignition. This will become important later on. Jelini's a sharp little fuck. <laughs> it will. Jelini claims with every stop, he's looking for an escape. 
but the men just constantly follow him everywhere, into the bathroom, to call his wife, to the car. He just wants to go home, but they are persistent. The three of them finally reach Reno at 3.20 in the morning. <laughs> Jelena suggests stopping at Harold's Club. Jim then gives Sid $100 and gives Jelena 100 which was actually $70, but Jim is clearly fucked up at this point. <laughs> they head inside and sit down at the blackjack table, playing a few hands before Jelini thinks he can make he could make his escape. Jelini says, Excuse me for a second. I'm going to the gents' room. <laughs> Do you think he's like Mario? He thinks he can just flush himself down the toilet. Jim replies, Oh, I am Jew. On the way to the bathroom, Jim keeps greeting himself to everybody. <laughs> hey, guys, what's up? Name's Jim. Robbed a bank. <laughs> Afterwards, they all head for the dice table. Jelini drops 70 of the $20, 70 of the $70 on crafts, all while still trying to plan his escape. Finally, he tells Jim, I'm going to play cards all right over here. Shockingly, Jim says, okay. Wow. So Jelini drops another 20 on a few games. He gazes at the clock, and it reads 4 a.m. Jelini mm-hmm. sees an opening, and he takes it. He runs to the car and makes his escape. He claims he drove 75 to 85 miles per hour the entire way back to San Francisco. It's 8 in the morning at this point, and he heads to the Hall of Justice. He heads to the robbery detail department and knocks on the door. Anybody in? The man replies, Nope. <laughs> Look, I'll give you $20,000 for a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> the man who first talked to Jelini was Glenn Gravitt. He later said this, At first I thought he was a drunk. Then I saw the deep lines on his face and how he seemed to be trying to keep awake. I decided, Here's a man who's really tired. <laughs> so I called Lieutenant Martin Lee downstairs and said, there's a man here who wants to give me $20,000. The lieutenant said, well, keep him right there, and I'll be right up. And go figure. That'll <laughs> co- that'll kick some assholes into action. Huh? This yeah. man's really tired. <laughs> God. So they held Jelini in custody until, right. until the FBI arrived and was questioned about the events throughout most of the day. By some stroke of luck, when Jelini took them to Sid's apartment, the two men were just returning to his place and were promptly arrested. Mm. They later found out Jim and Sid had taken a flight back from Vegas, which cost them $30 each. (laughs) That's a cheap fucking flight. That's so good. Yeah. (laughs) When they first arrived back in San Francisco, they had actually taken a cab to Jelini's house first, but about a block away from his house, they changed their minds. Smart. Once in custody, they found out the secret of Jim's gun. It was a Hopalong Cassidy cap pistol I had. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Cap Jesus. Jim had actually thrown the toy out the window while en route to Las Vegas. Jim also was not his real name. You don't say. It was Charles Frederick Charles Frederick Fred Will, age thirty-three. What a what a fucking what that's a, a fucking mouthful. fuck. That's first of all, that's three first names. And then second of all, his nickname is his name, but shortened. His middle name is his Whatever he prefers to be called. That's very Southern. Yeah, it is. Well, he was a draftsman, son of a Western Pennsylvania State Penitentiary Guard, an RCAF veteran, 
a CB veteran, a veteran of two marriages with six kids, a veteran of accidents and illnesses, and of what his counsel would call a life full of unhappiness and confusion. Wow. It's <laughs> not very nice of your attorneys to say, is Jesus, it? Jesus, yeah. no. <clears throat> Sid was Sidney Dubois, age 33, formerly of New York. He was recently staying at the YMCA in San Francisco, but didn't pay his room bill and had left them a few bad checks. <laughs> he worked as a radio mechanic and a night school student in biz- business administration. He would also tell the FBI he would, quote, blow the lid off everything, whatever that meant. Okay. Mind you, he never does. So I don't, just full of shit. Plus, there's nothing to blow the lid. There's like no con- criminal conspiracy. It's <laughs> no. one overly confident nutbag. Yeah. <laughs> The FBI also made sure to pick up Jelini's wife, Helen, for questioning. After the arrest, they interviewed Jelini for another four hours. Fuck. He said this. The questions they ask. You'd think it was me who robbed the bank. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> FBI agent James Connor later said this about the questioning. I told him he didn't have to say anything at all. He could just go home and bathe and sleep and eat. I suggested no greasy foods, but perhaps poached eggs on toast or a cup of tea. <laughs> What a dick. <laughs> Miss Jellini told the court she was also being mistreated in questioning. One of them said how would I like to serve time and who would take care of my little boy and my house. I was scared. I guess you'd say frightened. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could call me frightened. <laughs> they were cutting garlic with a razor blade in the corner. I was terrified. <laughs> Although later, both FBI agents testified that they told her she did not have to answer any of their questions. Yeah, of course they do, (laughs) under fucking actual scrutiny. Yeah. Fucking snakes in the grass, they are. (laughs) To make things a little stranger, a few weeks after the arrests, Jelena decided to go to the bank that had been robbed and inquire about collecting her reward. (laughs) He said... It's supposed to become in practice, known throughout the country, as to what entices people to return stolen bank funds. Uh-huh. As far as I could find, no reward. Uh, he got gypped out, <laughs> didn't he? <laughs> Just a few hours after this, Jelini was reading the paper and saw the headline about the great screwball bank robber. Within the article, he took notice of two indictments against him for transporting and receiving the Great One's boodle. Boodle. <laughs> fuck is a great one's boodle that's just what they're calling like the stolen money okay okay Okay. they're calling they're calling uh fred the great one oh my god he's (laughs) the goat already huh jelini was arrested and posted his five thousand dollar bail then hired emmett haggerty as his counsel his trial was set for november 12th 1952 now sid was being charged with a relatively minor misdemeanor charge of receiving loot not in excess of $100. Hmm. When arrested, Sid actually had $102, but firmly declared those $2 <laughs> were his and not the stolen money. <laughs> if he would have been charged for the extra $2, it would have been a felony charge with a much, much greater penalty. Damn. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd be telling him that's my $2, oh, yeah, too. <laughs> yeah. No, I found those on the street earlier, man. <laughs> Fred would make a guilty plea on August 26th and Sid on September 4th, but their sentences needed to be deferred until after Jelini's trial. Actually, right after Fred was arrested, he said this. I don't want an attorney. I waive everything. I plead guilty. I don't want no jury trial. 
I want to pay for what I've done. <laughs> they made it sound like literally when they arrested him at the apartment, this is the first thing he said. <laughs> Jesus. Well, he was never trying sp- to keep it a secret. I, I suppose he kind of sobered up at that point. Yeah. <clears throat> there would later be rumors while in jail, he was writing film star Elizabeth Scott, signing himself as the great the great bank robber. Wow. <laughs> the newspapers later published this quote from Fred. I sent a letter to Emma Matzo. She's from Scranton, Pennsylvania, and I being from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, <laughs> I met her. So I wrote to Miss Scott, asking her if she knew how, when I was being released, being I knew she was an amateur fiction writer, how I could get published. <laughs> he's just like, he's on the ball. He's thinking out here. Dude, he's a planner. So, obviously, Elizabeth Scott was born Emma Matzo. Which is a, a weird, weird change. I kind of like yeah. I kind of like Emma Matzo. Me too. Oh, man, I could go for a matzo ball. <laughs> Hell yeah. Either way, moving on to Giolini's trial, it was an interesting one because the prosecutor, James O'Grady. James O'Grady. <laughs> was leading. Oh, is it weird that it's an Irish man going after an Italian man? I'm sensing dissension here. <sighs> dissension. Wellness in the ranks. <laughs> Fuck you and your fucking tan skin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, O'Grady was leading the charge for the theory that, while yes, Fred indeed did rob the bank, it was Jelini who robbed him later and just had a change of heart to turn the money in. Okay. Which, which Fred was agreeing with, seeing as he would be one of the witnesses in the trial against Jelini. <laughs> All of this seems very not right to me. <laughs> oh, it's going to get a bit worse. This is a fucking cartoon, man. <laughs> Now, Jelini's attorney was obviously attempting to discredit Fred. I hope so. He released a statement that another prisoner had told him that Fred wanted to, quote, get back at Jelini for turning him in and attempt to frame Jelini. Fred said he was very hurt by these accusations against his honorable intentions and said, I'm here only because I wanted the truth to come out, man. (laughs) It is absurd for anyone to think of such an unethical procedure, yet tongues will wag. (laughs) He gets real classy all of a sudden, doesn't he? He does. He's using 10-pound words. <laughs> Either way, with Jelini's trial underway, Fred had some interesting comments during his testimony. Fred said the following statement after he noticed that Jelini had made off with his money. After doing it and proving I was capable of doing it and feeling so elated and egotistical, I stood there and laughed that I was so stupid to let somebody steal it from me. <laughs> O'Grady's closing statement after Fred's testimony is paraphrased as follows. Jelini was trying to get Fred and Sid drunk and get the money the entire time. As a matter of fact, he did get it all. All that was in the car. All he could get. He does not like Jelini. <clears throat> a police officer named Jules Zimmerlin testified. He said he telephoned his wife on the way down from Reno. He told her the position he was in and that he had all the money in the back of his car. He said his wife told him to get rid of it all, to have nothing to do with it, to turn it in. I asked him what were his intentions. He said, I don't know. I thought I might try to take it to my house and see if anybody would call for it. (laughs) That does not sound good, sir. (laughs) O'Grady was also leaning into the fact that it was very strange that Giolini had to drive all the way back to San Francisco instead of going to the police in Reno. Giolini said this about it. I want to give this story to my own friends, right here with the San Francisco (laughs) cops. That's why I didn't stop on the way back to tell any of those local yokels. (laughs) 
Do you ever try and find a cop when you want one? It's <laughs> a good point, sir. Very good point. Still holds true to this day. <laughs> O'Grady was next leaning on if Jelini was actually being, quote, held in fear. Mm. Fred acted almost insulted at the al- accusations. He insisted he would never dream of holding anybody in fear. <laughs> Least of all, Jelini, and he certainly did not threaten the cabbie. That's his ride. Fred, why would he? Why would you do it? Fred also claimed, Mr. Jelini suggested this, and then Mr. Jelini suggested that. Fred just always decided to give in to what Jelini suggested, such as stopping for drinks, <laughs> placing the briefcase in the trunk. When asked why he did this, Fred said, I don't know. I just trusted him, I guess. <laughs> I didn't want to go to Reno. I had $20,000. I could have bought a new auto if I wanted to go. Mr. Giolini suggested it. <laughs> Giolini's lawyer had a pretty good comeback to all of this in regards to Walter, the initial banker. If Walter weren't afraid of Fred, there is no bank robbery. There was a misappropriation of funds by the bank officer, and the case falls flat. But Walter went along. He was in fear. It's so True. He didn't really outright threaten him except for the cap gun. Yeah. O'Grady also asked why Jelini didn't simply overpower Fred because he was 200, 208 pounds and Fred had a 170 pound slight frame. I'm no hero. You're only dead once. Mm-hmm. This, guy's, this guy's got like some snappy lines. Mm-hmm. I kind of like it. Me too. Why did Jelini agree to take Fred into the DeSoto garage and not say a thing? The man's got the gun. I'd have stopped and did backflips for him if he wanted. <laughs> Why didn't Jelini just walk away from the first bar they entered? If I'd have gone out that door, somebody would have said, Where are you going, cab driver? <laughs> and who would have taken care of my wife? You? Oh, eat that, <laughs> O'Grady. Sassy. Getting sassy, boy. O'Grady asked why he didn't ask for help from the bartender at the second bar who had, quote, great big gorilla arms named <laughs> Luis, named Luis Rainier, or in professional wrestling circles known as Hardboiled Haggerty. Jelini <laughs> 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 said, He was grouchy and full of mush from last night. He has got so much strength he doesn't know it. <laughs> And I think he busted a glass dry in it because he says, Damn it, I cut the bark. And if I'd have told him that Sky was a banker offer, he'd have said, Don't bother me with your malaki. <laughs> is it just me or is that like the worst excuse I've ever heard in my life? When he cut his fucking hand off when he's trying to clean a glass? Damn it, I cut the bark. <laughs> <laughs> have you heard of Hardboiled Haggerty before? No, I've no, never heard of I feel of like I've heard that name before, but anyway... So old hard-boiled Haggerty would later come to court and deny all these accusations. Mm-hmm. Either way, I think we all get the idea of what Jelini is up against in his trial. After the jury would retire and decide the fate of Anthony Jelini, they would return with the verdict of not guilty of transporting Fred's ill-gotten gains across state borders, but guilty of accepting loot in excess of $100. Oh, no. So he's getting he's getting slapped with a felony now, huh? Yeah, he is. Giolini was found guilty of this because he had accepted $140 from Fred. Yeah. He was only sentenced to 18 months of probation in order to pay back $140 to the bank. Okay. He said, It's nice somebody gets a reward. <laughs> <laughs> fucking snarky little he's prank. He's right, though. They fucking hung him over the coals for being a fucking hostage. Right. 
the bank released this statement. We had no interest in the case, one way or another. Naturally, we must recover our funds, and we're fully insured. <laughs> but if the court told this man to pay his part, that is the court's order. What a fucking cocksucker. Sounds like a bank to me. <laughs> yep. He was also forced to sell his car to pay for his legal defense. 24 hours later, Sid Dubois' sentencing took place. Sid received three years probation while in custody of his mother. <laughs> the judge said he went along for the ride and got mixed up with Mr. Will and to, to some extent Mr. Jelani. His only problem is his mental attitude. Mm. <laughs> Sid looked grumpy after the verdict, mm. but at least he wasn't going to jail. His mother then took him home from the trial for a nap. Is that true? Is <laughs> that what true? It, it's what it said in there. Holy shit. His mom's like, come on, Sid, you oh need a nappy. <laughs> God. So he's like a little cuck then. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if you look at the newspaper headlines, his nickname underneath is Mama's Boy. Okay. Okay. That's great. That's great. <laughs> now, as for Fred, he obviously received the heaviest sentence of eight years with eligibility for parole in two years and eight months. Wow. The ending amount of what was spent by Fred of the $20,000 he stole was $320. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And I imagine that's that's some of the money he gave to them, too. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like. That's their felony money, uh. too. (laughs) Charles Frederick Will died on August 3rd, 1971 in L.A. He was 53 years old. Anthony Tony Giolini continued to drive cab until 1973. He died on March 13, 1978, at the age of 65. His obituary recalled his status as the folk hero from the great screwball robbery of 1952. Beautiful. There it yes. is, fellas. Beautiful. So he became a little Robin Hood himself, Giolini he did. did. He did, yeah. He Apparently people really liked him, thought he was, I mean, he was brave, I guess. You have to put up with this dipshit, but. Giolini's he, innocent. Yeah, he got raked against the coals a little bit. Oh, yeah. He's stupid, and he's funny, but he's innocent. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. So uh, what would you guys think of the great screwball robbery? I'm a huge fan. <laughs> oh, yeah. It I'm was a, a huge n- fan. It was a nice, lighthearted tale. Well, it's just like I'm reading this. I'm like, this shit has to be made up, right? Like, are people this stupid? Yeah, Then and you yes. look, And then you look at the year, you're like, yeah, okay. They're still kind of <laughs> coming into the the bank robbing scene, I guess, kind of getting their identity. But Oldest yeah. trick in the book. Yeah. I got three guys outside. It sounded like his his like giving the teller a letter was kind of like revolutionary. Smart. For like what it said in there. Didn't so. they do a goddamn Netflix docu series recently about that, where a lady like put a sign on a guy and then had a bomb on him? Oh too? yeah. Uh, um. What the hell is that's like one of the best true crime documentaries they have on there. I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, blew his chest out, and then they found all these other bodies that they had. And yeah, it's it's really good. It's fucked up. I, what the hell is it? evil genius? Evil genius. Yeah. Fuck that. That that shit is awesome. It's very good. Dude, that was rough. Like watching that guy when he knows the things about oh, to blow up. Yeah. And he's like, fucking help me. I was like, are they actually gonna show it blowing him up? And it's just like, oof, Jesus, brutal. At first, I thought it was just gonna be like a. A fake bomb, but no, it <laughs> caved in his chest. I was like, okay, the timer's going to go off. Nothing's yeah. going to happen. They're going to arrest the guy. Nope. No, no, no. No, he he blew the fuck up. Yeah, that that whole story's fucked up. It's yuckapucka. But, uh, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I fucking love this story, Cody. Good Perfect. job. Good goddamn job. 
And if you want to let us know how to rob banks even more successfully, <laughs> you can do so at BumblebuttPodcast at gmail.com. What's that, Adam? BumblebuttPodcast at gmail.com. Of course, you can always follow us on Twitter at BumblebuttPod and on Facebook and Instagram at BumblebuttPodcast. Instagram being our main social media focus. Hmm. Jordan and I also have personal Instagrams. Mine is at BumbleAdam. Jordan's at J.J.Fox. But... Uh, this week we have no iTunes reviews, no. but I would like to please put out the call. If you enjoy us, please review the show. Mm. That's it. Let's get out of here. That's man. all I'm going to say on the subject. Yeah. It, it takes 30 seconds. If you like me, prove Le- it. Leave me a review if you prove like it. us. Yeah. If you want to see what my color my pubes are, prove it. <laughs> yeah. Prove it. We dare you. We dare you. Well, now they're you don't definitely got the gonna do balls it. to review us. You don't got the balls to scope out my ball hair, <laughs> you fucking cowards. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks a lot, everybody, for listening. I've been Adam. Thank you, Jordan. That's been Jordan. Thank you, Adam. That's been Cody. Thank you, Cody. Thank you, Adam. And as always, everybody, I want you to have a nice weekend, unless it's Tuesday. I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> mm.